Hello, it's Monique. And Landon. And I guess we should be saying Merry Christmas since it's the December issue. Episode. Oh, yeah. Episode issue. Potato, potato. So I'm hoping Merry that... Merry Christmas. Uh, yes, Merry Christmas. And I'm hoping that you and, and your family... And Happy Hanukkah have a, and... Oh, yeah. Everything else. All the other December holidays. I can't keep track. No, I can't either. But we love you all equally. Yes, so. that's right. We're being very inclusive. So this day or this month we're going to talk about sore throat is it mono or strep so currently i've been doing some shifts in an urgent care center which is affiliated with a university and it's interesting the difference in the types of patients that come in because i have a lot of young people coming in with complaints of sore throat with very swollen tonsils with pustules on them and often i know what they've been well, doing often many of them have strep throat but this is also a population of patients that may be prone to mono so we thought it would be great to review the differences and the similarities of strep and mono, and also to review the differences between pharyngitis and strep. It is very common for patients to come to the emergency department with a complaint of sore throat, so it's always helpful to get a good history as it helps to differentiate between a viral versus a bacterial cause. A sore throat due to a virus often accompanies other cold symptoms like nasal congestion, runny nose, cough, myalgia. And the sore throat usually gets better in a couple of ta- days. A sore throat that's caused by a bacteria, for example, like strep throat, often has a fever, no cough, and may not have any other symptoms, but the sore throat is usually more severe and it lasts longer. The reason it is important for you to differentiate between pharyngitis and strep throat is because the majority of soft sore throats are due to a virus, and therefore they don't need antibiotics. In fact, studies have shown that even though group A strep, which is the major treatable bacterial pathogen for strep throat or pharyngitis, is only the cause for about 5 to 15% of adults seeking medical care for sore throat, and yet 70% of adults coming in with sore throats actually get antibiotics. So there's like 55% of them that don't Don't need need them. Yeah. So kind of getting a little ahead of myself. Let's start back with some of the basics. Throwing out some numbers already. I know, I kind of like that. But it is some, you know, my soapbox about giving people antibiotics when you don't need to. So the first step, good history. You also want to rule out kind of concerning symptoms. So if they aren't able to swallow, they have trismus, they can't, which is difficulty opening their mouth if they're short of breath or strider, perhaps you need to think of Perhaps we don't care difficult, about the sore throat no, right now. not caring at mm. the moment. And then the next step, once you've ruled those things out, is a physical exam. You need to actually look inside their mouth. And what you're looking for are signs of tonsillar enlargement and if that is present is it bilateral or unilateral because unilateral might be a peritonsillar abscess if there's a lot of um, erythema and both tonsils enlarge you could also have a cellulitis of that area if there's exudate present on the tonsils this may indicate strep now certainly if the tonsils are very large or what we call kissing tonsils or the uvula is very they're swollen each, they're kissing each other yes they're Not touching that. each other Not that we're kissing with big, swollen tonsils. But if the tonsils are very large and touching each other, or if the uvula is very swollen and large, you do need to be concerned of the risk of airway obstruction. Now, please note that tonsillitis just means enlargement of the tonsils secondary to either a virus or a bacteria. That's not exactly strep throat, right? Just big, swollen tonsils. I almost feel like at some point we need to do a video podcast. So you can actually see things. No, so that I can see your hands changing shape as you're talking about large tonsils kissing and uvula swollen and large and your hands are 
trying to making t- trying motions, to make the picture. It. I know they can't see you. I understand, but I can't talk without moving my hands. Mm-hmm. So you're just gonna have to live with that. Carry on. Okay, now. Although it is very rare, you do need to have a high index of suspicion of epiglottitis, especially in younger people, if you're hearing strider particularly. Epiglottitis is usually caused by haemophilus influenza. And for adults, signs and symptoms may develop over days. In children, it develops over hours. Signs and symptoms may include a very sore throat, fever, a muffled or hoarse voice, and and that kind of strider, that high-pitched sound when they're um, breathing. They may also have drooling or they can't breathe or they can't swallow or having difficulty. As we said, this is really rare, but certainly something you don't want to miss. And usually an x-ray of the soft tissues of the neck will show us an enlarged epiglottis. And they can talk about it as a thumbprint. You'll see it as a big old thumbprint where the epiglottis is. And that's when you think that that's an epiglottitis. And these patients should be clearly and closely monitored and given IV steroids and antibiotics and should be kept in the hospital. But as I said, it's very rare. But Strider should always be a bit of a um, make you a bit more anxious. And and I know... In Tighten your anal tone the, is basically what it should the do. The first time I had a patient with epiglottitis, I completely missed it mm-hmm. because I was always taught, and I know many of us, that it's a, a pediatric disease. Yeah, it's, it's a very, not. it's a common, uncommon, Yeah, if that makes sense, Yeah, pediatric disease. Yes. I had never heard of it in adults. And then, and it actually is more common than extremely rare. Yes, exactly. And, and people come in with epiglottitis, and the first time I was blown away. Yeah. Didn't even believe that it existed in adults. So it is important to know that it can be there. Um, so after the physical exam, we consider some diagnostic tests. Certainly the gold standard for diagnosing strep throat is a throat culture, but that takes about 48 hours to get the results. So depending on how clinically unwell the patient appears and the clinical examination, some physicians or MPs may choose to treat with antibiotics. Thankfully, and we love clinical decision-making <laughs> well, it's helpful, tools. isn't it? Yeah. There is a clinical decision tool to help guide in ordering antibiotics or not without the results of a culture. So you'll always still do a culture yeah, just absolutely. to confirm, yeah. but this will kind of help you. And it's called the Centaur Criteria, and you've probably either seen it or you've wondered why a patient has gone home without antibiotics and maybe the, the physician or MP says, oh, well, they don't have center criteria and yeah. you kind of smiled and went, yeah, I know. And, <laughs> and now you're going to learn it. Yeah. So the criteria includes tonsillar. So it's four things. Tonsillar exudate. Number two, tender anterior cervical adenopathy. Three, fever by history. So I don't need to have one right now. No. Yeah. Uh, and four, this is like a negative one. I know. Absence of a cough. Right. So you have exudate, adenopathy, fever, but no cough. Right. The likelihood of having group A strep increases with the number of center criteria of the four. Patients with fewer than three are unlikely to have group A strep and therefore do not require antibiotic treatment. And some people would argue that they don't even need a throat culture. Mm-hmm. In a large study of 200,000 patients, 7% of patients with one centaur criteria, 21% with two, 38% with three and 50% sorry 50 per 57% with four tested positive for group A strep. So it's quite a okay. low number, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. The modified Centaur criteria, also known as the McIsaac score, adds age to the original Centaur criteria. So one additional point for age 3 to 14, no additional points for ages 15 to 44 and minus one point for greater than 45 because it's more Less, rare yeah. to get it when you're over 45 I'm almost there 
the okay. month. Okay. I'll lose a point soon. Very good. I'm scared. <laughs> Don't what if worry. I lose a point in my centaur criteria? I know. The modified centaur criteria is used more often in pediatric populations. This is very helpful, right? Because then you know, well, should I, should I right. wait for a throat culture or not to treat? And so having this, you can kind of say, you know, greater than three, I've ordered antibiotics. Less than three, I chose to wait for the culture report. That's right. And it's not good. to say send them home with no follow-up. No, 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 right? no, no. Because no. yeah. even, you know... That 21%, that it's one in five, is going to still need them and may yeah, come back. But, exactly, yeah. Um, so part of the reason that we treat group A strep with antibiotic is because there's a risk of acute rheumatic fever leading to heart valve issues as a complication of group A strep. And group yeah. A strep, is it's just one of those that yeah. when the lab phones, sometimes they phone results back, oh, we found blah, 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 blah. Group A strep is just one of those ones to remember. Yeah. And go, oh, because that can really make young people very mm-hmm. sick very quickly. And exactly. I know I had a friend years ago that had a routine, like, don't even know the source. Group A strep was intubated, intensive care, yeah. like, months of recovery from some unknown source of infection, group A strep. So wow. it, it is just one of those to remember. Um, so in researching this, we found it interesting that studies, though they're old, 98 and 2006, showed that patients didn't seek medical attention for their sore throat in the hopes to get antibiotics. In fact, only 38% of patients wanted antibiotics. 80% were interested in pain relief, reassurance, and information about the illness. When the 38% who did not want antibiotics... Who wanted antibiotics, yeah. Let's start that again. Okay. When the 38% who wanted antibiotics were further questioned, part of the reason they wanted antibiotics was to see if it would actually help with their pain. Yeah, it's interesting, So, eh? in the end... They all wanted something to deal with the pain. Rather than actually antibiotics. But I think we think that they've come in because they want antibiotics. Right. We don't even ask them. We, 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 just we don't ask. We just assume, right? We just right? assume Or it. if they say, I want antibiotics, we don't say, why do you want antibiotics? Exactly. We're just like, well, we're not going to give you any. And then and the then... usual emergency department conflict ensues yes. and they leave unhappy. So looking at different ways that we can support pharmaceutical and non-pharmaceutical approaches to pain may actually help to decrease overprescribing of unnecessary antibiotics which i, I think that's a great study soapbox. right like it is, it is it is it is interesting though that in the last few years i'm not sure if you're noticing this in your clinical practice that some patients who come in with severe sore throats or difficulty swallowing are receiving some type of glucocorticoid for relief of the pain So being a bit of a dork, we decided to look at the evidence of this. So there is some evidence that glucocorticoid use can slightly decrease the duration of uh, throat pain. Analgesics such as NSAIDs are also effective. Some physicians are reluctant, though, to use glucocorticoids because there are some reported side effects like mood changes or hypoglycemia, even with short-term steroid use. Hyperglycemia. Hyperglycemia, yeah. Did I say hypo? You just mumbled a bit. Okay, so, so it's hyperglycemia. Sorry. The studies have really only showed limited benefits, slightly quicker reduction of pain by maybe half a day. There was one study of only about 374 patients who received one to two days of glucocorticoids as an adjunctive therapy to antibiotics, and they were compared with a placebo group that did not receive glucocorticoids. And the findings when compared to placebo, the glucocorticoid group had complete resolution of pain at 24 to 48 hours, decreased time to onset of pain relief by six hours, and decreased time to complete resolution by 14 hours. There were some important limitations with the study as they all received antibiotics 
antibiotics and they were also allowed to use concurrent analgesics. So it was difficult to determine whether it was the glucocorticoids, which was the major factor in these results. So, um, so low, low N. Yes, I know. It's a, it's and a, multiple confounding variables. Yes, exactly. So, so eh, if we someone's don't know. looking for a study to do. That would be a great study. Maybe this will be a study That's to do exactly. and actually do some controls. I know. So the studies haven't really been conclusive, but I have to tell you, even in my practice now, I often, when I have patients with you know, very sore throats or very swollen tonsils, even if I'm not thinking it's strep, I often will give them a dose of Decadron and Toradol intravenously to help with some of the pain and... Whether they just think it's helping, they often report they feel better. And so I continue to do it in the hopes that somebody will do a study. Maybe I should. I was going to say somebody being you. Well, to see if it actually should uh, makes a difference, right? It's interesting. So there you go. I know. Interesting. Yeah. So we did talk about doing a throat culture to determine if a sore throat is actually group A strep. But when would we add blood work, and particularly a monospot, to rule out mononucleosis? Many of the symptoms of strep throat and mono are similar. Signs and symptoms of mononucleosis may include fever, sore throat, fever, sorry. Fatigue. Fatigue, <laughs> lymphadenopathy, particularly in the neck and armpits, swollen tonsils, headache, abdominal pain, and may have splenomegaly. And in some cases, even jaundice. Mm-hmm. Of note, the monotest may be negative if it's within the first two weeks of symptoms. So if the original test is negative and the patient persists having symptoms, you may need to repeat the test. It seems a bit of a no-brainer to add a monotest in patients who present with these symptoms and also elevated LFTs. Okay? Yeah. So let's review some information about mono. Infectious mononucleosis is characterized by a triad of fever, tonsillar pharyngitis, and lymphadenopathy. Mono is caused by acquiring the Epstein-Barr virus, which can spread from person to person through contact with saliva. Thus, a person can be exposed to the virus by kissing, sharing eating utensils, or drinking from the same glass as a person who has mono. So it's important. It is called kissing disease from when we were children. (laughs) However, it is important that patients know, because it does have that um, kind of, connotation yeah. it can cause some awkward i know in my practice there's been some awkward conversations, conversations yeah and and it can be from the same glass and eating yeah. utensils like it so doesn't it's not just it kissing. doesn't mean that it's saliva right it it's doesn't mean that people are saliva. cheating on each other or that kind of thing because those have been some of the awkward things that um have come up so it may take four to eight weeks after exposure to the virus for the first symptoms to appear it's been difficult to determine for how long a person can be contagious because once you have, you the, have mono, it yeah. remains dormant or inactive for your life. So you, you have the Epstein-Barr virus for your life and it can it just, just lay dormant. Lay dormant. Yeah. Studies have shown that you could keep contagious for up to 18 months, even if you don't have symptoms. So we aren't telling patients that they can't kiss anyone for 18 months as it is difficult to prevent it from spreading. The good news is that it is far easier to catch a cold than it is to catch mono. But as always, good hand washing is important. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it is very important. So the, the biggest concern with mono, uh, aside from that sort of general malaise feeling, which doesn't last for the 18 months. No, the it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, the biggest concern with mono is spleen enlargement, which occurs in about half of the people with mono. If this is the case, patients are told to avoid any contact sports or heavy lifting for a few weeks. 
Um, and and it's, that's purely a structural thing. When yeah. your spleen is big and puffy, it's easier for it to get damaged. Get damaged. Right? Yeah. Because mono is a virus, there's no need for antibiotics. Most people start feeling better within two to four weeks. And so we just recommend symptomatic treatment, rest, fluid, Tylenol, NSAIDs, and, yeah. the general malaise treatment. Exactly. And they will get better. Yeah, I know. Without antibiotics. antibiotics. Yeah. So if you do have a patient that has pharyngitis or a sore throat and lymph adenopathy and fever, plus they're under 35, you might be wise to do both a throat culture and a mono test. If the throat culture comes back negative, then likely it's a virus. If the mono test comes back positive, we can at least tell patients that their symptoms may linger a little longer than the usual virus. That's all we really want to tell them it's not a big deal one way or the other because it's symptomatic relief but if you're feeling like god i'm not getting any better i think it's important that we go well there's a reason for it because you have mono now just a bit of a word of caution although we're doing very well in curing hiv and we we did a podcast curing on that. In quotes yes yeah. exactly in we did un- do undetectable a, exactly uh, we did talk about that in a previous podcast. You should keep in mind, though, that there is a possibility of an acute HIV infection with patients who have consistent signs and symptoms of this kind of ill-defined febrile illness that is not getting better with treatment itself. So right. if it keeps on lingering longer and longer, then we should probably do something about and it. And I know in a lot of the places we practice, an HIV test is automatically now added Part on to all the, blood work. It, exactly. And where we come from, it's not a consented procedure anymore. And exactly. everyone who has a needle in their arm to draw blood gets an HIV test. Exactly. And, so and that's helpful. It's very helpful. So we don't miss things like that. So in summary, what is the difference between mono and strep? Mono is a virus. Strep is a bacterial infection. In mono, uh, patients develop severe sore throat that can be associated with uh, lymphadenopathy. If you look in their palate, you may see some petechiae. Perhaps you might feel a swollen spleen and mild hepatitis, while sore throat and strep is usually associated with big swollen tonsils. Only. Only, nothing else. Throat culture is the gold standard in diagnosing strep. Monospot tests for mono should be done, though could be negative if it's within two weeks of the symptoms. Mononucleosis is a self-limiting condition where antibiotics should be avoided, but strep throat should be treated with antibiotics, as we have already mentioned. Complications are rare with mono, but in strep throat, they can develop rheumatic fever. The second thing is many pathogens cause pharyngitis, and the clinical features of group A strep include a sudden onset of sore throat, tonsillar exudate, tender cervical adenopathy, and fever. Influenza is suspected when it's present in the community, you've been exposed to it, and you um, have other kind of cold-like symptoms like fever, myalgia, cough. Patients who present with unusual severe signs and symptoms, drooling, that muffled hot potato voice, neck swelling, difficulty swallowing should be evaluated for rare but serious throat infection. And the number of Centaur clinical criteria present correlates with the likelihood of acute group A strep, pharyngitis in an adult patient. Most patients with two or fewer criteria should not receive antibiotics, or some people would argue don't even need to have a throat culture. Adults with three or more should be treated with antibiotics, and short-term glucocorticoids may have a role in pain control. I think that's about it. So please don't stop kissing people, but uh, especially at Christmas time, don't you think? Oh, that's this is a good one for mistletoe. I know. We should call it the mistletoe. Maybe it'll be called that by then. I know. Mistletoe disease. (laughs) 
All well, right. Merry, Merry Christmas, and I hope um, and any other uh, Happy Hanukkah and any other celebrations that are out there, may you and your family have the best of the season and all the best for the new year. And we'll see you on our third year anniversary. On our third year anniversary. I know. Well, what are you going to buy me? Well, I'm hoping you'll make muffins again. It's been uh, three months with no blueberry muffins in the kitchen of knowledge. I know. Okay. That will be your anniversary gift, blueberry muffins. Mmm, blueberry muffins. All right. See you later. Bye. For past episodes and to comment on this episode, please visit our website at nursum.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursumCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursum Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education, www.prneducation.ca.